Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming... And his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Objective insight, expertise, top guest. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on offthehooksports.com. I compute and obey. Now to Dave Hooker. Ready. So we're kind of at that point in preseason camp that I can start to share some things with you. Not that I was withholding anything, but let's face it. Football was supposed to be played in pads, and they're finally starting to do that. So I have some thoughts based off people I talked to and our own Caleb Giroux, who is at practice each and every day on what the Vols are doing to this point. Also, what will Tennessee's defensive line rotation like we'll get into that as uh, Tennessee has depth there do they have a special player I'm not 100% sure yet but I think they might have one or two uh Tumor's corner uh, you can roll it again you haven't been able to roll it because some goofball Alabama fan decided to uh, poison the trees well you can roll it again because they've regrown the trees and whatever they've done to the trees but which Tennessee tradition would you uh, most want to lose? I've got the best one. It's not even close. Don't look at your rundown sheet, Caleb Calhoun, because it's uh, unbelievable. Fighting during practice. Josh Heupel hates it. Why? I'm not crazy about that take. And also the 10 greatest seasons by a Tennessee safety of all time. I bet we'll hear one of my favorites, Eric Berry, on that segment. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. Hit the like and subscribe button. Turn the notifications on, Caleb, because we're in full pads. I see it. You've got it there in your sport coat. I'm wearing just a casual uh, polo shirt, but I'm in full pads. It's underneath, and uh, it's why my 
shoulders looks so massive. So first couple of days of camp really don't matter. It's when you get in full pads and Tennessee is in full pads. So we got a lot to talk to. How are you, Caleb? I'm good. I'm waiting for some of our older fans who always complain about changes in college football to say, you know, football was at its best when there were no pads back in 1905 when players were just dying on the field. And <laughs> I think that's a little too strong. There was a moment when people were leading with their head. I thought about lightening the headgear or taking away the face mask. In the end, they've done it, but they've just done it. They've done a good job. I just thrown a lot of flags. I think football at all levels has changed the way people are tackled. So let's just go ahead and get to that because people ask me today's tough question about this time of the year each and every day. And I tell them, let them get in pads. And I'll tell you, it's brought to you by Zen Sports. It is today's tough question. Today's tough question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. So when people ask you the first couple of the days in the acclimation period, it's kind of like in NASCAR. If somebody says, well, how's the track running? And you're like, I don't I don't really know. There, I was uh, test driving a Yugo. Can I get in my actual stock car? Well, Tennessee's been in a stock car a couple of days. They've been in full pads. So... Let's get to it. How do the Vols look in preseason camp? Today's tough question brought to you by Zen Sports. And Zen Sports is the new sports book in Tennessee, revolutionizing the way you earn sports betting rewards. That means no more deposit bonuses that turn into deposit nightmares. On Zen Sports, what you see is what you get. And with their cash rewards program, you get a lot of cash for a welcome bonus. Earn an unlimited 5% cash back on your betting volume for your first 15 days when you sign up with the promo code HOOKED. That's hooked. That's right. Unlimited 5% cash back. Keep betting, keep earning with up to 3% cash back in your betting volume every month after that. And refer friends to earn a percentage of their betting volume as cash rewards to Zen Sports to bring the cash back to Tennessee. So if you bet big on sports, you want to be betting on Zen Sports. Zen Sports betting just got better. So what I'm hearing via Caleb Jaru and other sources is week one, and I'll throw these at you, Caleb, and you tell me what you think. But these are from uh, within the program or with our own uh, Caleb Jeru seeing them with his own two eyes. So this isn't speculation. This is what is happening currently in camp, at least the open portions of it. Joe Milton on point. Uh, Joe Milton on point to start out preseason camp. And as we spoke to Joe Milton about, it's probably not as much about his arm accuracy. It's probably more about his footwork, which has improved greatly, um, and that's going to affect his accuracy. But as he told us, Caleb, at SEC Media Days, it's not accuracy so much as it is being on the same page and knowing exactly where you want to throw the ball because of the receiver. So what we're told at this point via Jaru and others is that Joe Milton has been on point and looked in incredibly good about a week into preseason camp. Yeah, that's a very good sign. And by the way, we heard that from Joe Milton and Hendon Hooker, who was, as you talked about, was very defensive of Joe Milton, funny enough. And I had never thought about it until it was brought up. So that's a big deal that he's on point. I still have to see it in a game because I'm still not so sure that Joe Milton's... I don't know if he has the right mentality for in-game situations yet. And the, the Ole Miss game is still in my head and it's in your head and it's in John Adams' head. 
Yes. And that was a that was a panic move. It wasn't like it wasn't like Joe Milton doesn't understand football or doesn't understand time or anything like that. But he panicked being thrust into the game. And that I, still stands out a little bit. No, I totally agree. So let's kind of subhead this uh, if we're going to go through it. And if that's if that's topic one, as far as the first thing I hear from preseason camp, it's subheaded where A is um, seems to be on the same page with receivers. Check mark. Yes. B seems to have better footwork. Check mark. Yes. C is better in clutch game situations. We have zero idea. Not applicable. We don't know until it gets into one of those situations. And that could happen in the first month of the season, perhaps against Virginia or perhaps on the road in the swamp. But I think it may be a little bit longer. So I think that part is a big incomplete uh, as to how he reacts there. You may completely be over it. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to throw this at you. We've seen, I think, a great example is Jonathan Crompton we would have thought of as not clutch, but when put in the right position for the last half of his senior season, he looked pretty darn clutch. Sorry, go ahead. That's a great point because Jonathan Crompton led what should have been a game-winning drive at Alabama, great clock management, and if Lane Kiffin did not take the ball out of his hands – in my opinion, to cover himself, in your opinion, I think you think he thought it was the right decision. I think he was just trying to cover himself for being a bad call. I think Crompton either, wins that game. Either way, it was a monstrous mistake. You improve your percentages of making that field goal by more than double if you can pick up another 15 yards. I think it was yeah. like 22, and it could have been, if I remember my head, like it could have been like could, a 26. Could have been a 26, 27-yard field goal if you get a couple, run, run another play or so. Yeah, that was totally on Lane Kiffin. But I'm still like, okay, here's the standard. And this is the gold standard. Dave, tell me if the standard is too unfair because this is the gold standard of in-game clutch moments. Could Joe Milton never do what Hendon Hooker did in 15 seconds to beat Alabama? A 15-second drive to beat Alabama. You're asking the wrong guy because I'm wired wrong. I think it would be easier to do that than come out and have longer to think about a situation. I, I, you know, and by the way, Robert Rexroad, I don't know if you're related to Joe or not, great guy covers the Titans, said just about every great NFL quarterback has a brain fart in a game. That's incredibly true. And if you want to recall this one, this isn't the NFL, but Andy Kelly threw the interception the year before the miracle at South Bend. And Tennessee was coming back to beat Notre Dame in Neyland Stadium. He admittedly threw a flat ball that was intercepted that was not as ob- obviously Dumb, but he has said that he knew that that guy was going to cut underneath and he needed to get that, get more air under that ball. And then what did he do the next year? One of the most clutch performances ever in the University of Tennessee with the miracle at South Bend. The other thing that has stood out to this point defensive line and linebacker depth as a whole. And Tennessee, even though they lose Byron Young, should be better on the front six or seven or front. Yeah, six or seven, whatever we call it now. Uh, they should be better up front across the board in terms of depth. I don't know that they have a superstar yet, and we'll get to that, but they should be better in both places because of depth, right? Yes, and it's funny you bring that up. Defensive line and linebacker should be significantly better than last year. I think linebacker is a unique – it's going to be unique strength for Tennessee this year. Last year when Jeremy Banks went down – there was Tennessee did not have the options to run the stunts and blitz packages they wanted to run. I think they could withstand an injury or maybe even two this year at linebacker. 
and that's going to be intriguing to watch. Okay, well, let me stop you for a second um, because I want to get more to the defensive line. Linebacker in particular, and these are notes, things we're actually hearing from uh, practice. So be sure to hit that like and subscribe button for more notifications on. Do that. So I'm, I'm hearing great things out of uh, Keenan Pilly. I'm hearing great things, uh, as you would expect, out of Aaron Beasley. Um, uh, Aaron Carter, to me, is the only I, – I don't even want to call him a sure thing. He's the surest thing if you look at that depth chart. What do you see out of that depth chart that maybe I'm missing a little bit? Oh, no, I, I nothing. I, that's what I mean. I'm high on all three of those guys. I'm so high on them. And also, let's let's not forget Elijah Herring. I thought you meant after those guys. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, 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 yeah. And, and let's not forget Elijah Herring, I think, is still – a reliable backup player for depth. I think Caleb Herring is now on the, in, on the roster now. And so that you got the Herring brothers. And by the way, for people who debated Murphy, they're both from Murfreesboro. Murfreesboro is not part of the Nashville area. For people who came at me last week saying that Murfreesboro players should be counted as part of Nashville players on Tennessee. Murfreesboro is not Nashville. That's like saying Jackson's part of Memphis. It's not. You're, you're um, overly sensitive about that, but that's okay. I think you're a very good geography student. Uh, and I've heard <laughs> to overlap a little bit. I've heard Arian Carter at linebacker and then David Hobbs have had standout freshman camp to this point, And they look like they're going to be really good. Um, Cooper Mays, maybe because he's proven and you don't have to play him as much has missed some time. And at those times I'm told the offensive line has been shaky again. I don't think this is a, uh, any sort of injury to report, I would, with all that Cooper's played, I'd be real easy on him too. But I don't know who the backup center is after Cooper Mays, and that's why we called it the most important position on Tennessee's football roster a couple of weeks ago, Caleb. All right, I got a question for you because I agree, offensive line is a concern. Is it a bigger positive that Joe Milton's on point or a bigger negative that the offensive line is a concern? You saying that he's not getting pressure from the first team defensive unit? Is that no, 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 no. The offensive line, the offensive line. Is it a bigger positive for Tennessee that Joe Milton is? If you were coming into practice and you were to, and if you at two weeks in and you wanted to see some standout things, would you rather see that Joe Milton was on point, or would you rather not see that the offensive line was shaky? I'd rather see a backup center. So I guess I'm going to say that. Joe, Mil I would rather see in order Joe Milton be on point, Cooper Mays be 100% ready to go at the end of camp, not necessarily in the middle or early in camp, and then see a guy who's gone out there because you could rest Cooper Mays and he's done okay. He's been a C, C plus type of guy. That's what I'm, I may be reordering yours a little bit. But that's, I guess that's what I'm what saying is, does, does the negatives of the offensive line, which it's safe to say that's a negative, what we're talking about with the offensive line for two weeks, right? That's a negative that, that it's shaky. And yes, does the negative of the offensive line outweigh the positive of Joe Milton through two weeks? Uh, barely, yes, because you're replacing Darnell Wright, and you're, just because you're not facing the same ones, you're going to be facing elite pass rushers, and you don't have Darnell Wright, who we didn't know it at this time last year, okay? I want to be really clear. Nobody said we, – we both thought Darnell Wright was going to be really good, but nobody said he's just going to lock down Will Anderson during the Alabama game and he's going to have an incredible year and be a first-round pick. So nobody thought that, but that could still happen. Um, if Joe Milton came out 
okay, I've got my answer for sure for you. If Joe Milton came out from the get when they can throw all they want to in shells and they don't have to have full pads and he wasn't on point from day one, I'd be like, whoa, that's not good. I mean, really, against air, you should complete 90% of your passes. That's why pro days are so silly when they throw against air. You really should complete 100% of your passes against air. That's where I am. The Joe Milton on point thing to me is not so much a positive as it is. he need, That's that's basically hitting the baseline. He needs like to be pre, able to do like that. like a prerequisite. To get in Spanish, too, trust me, I know, unfortunately, you had to finish a year of Spanish one. Yes, exactly, exactly. And just because you finish Spanish one does not mean you are going to be an expert bilingualist. Does not mean you're going to graduate, in my case. Yes. But I, I did oh. end up graduating – but that was the hardest class. I've never understood. I, I I love God. Keep an eye out for us, big guy. But why wow, we have two languages. And I don't want to get into the Tower of Babylon and all that stuff. But it frustrates the ever-living heck out of me. That and time zones. We all just need to do one. We can make that happen. The world would be a better place. Let's go four downs. We continue to talk hard facts from Tennessee's practice. But in particular, we want to focus on tennessee's defensive line that has met with the media the other thing that stands out to me tennessee making a lot more players available to the media what do you think of that caleb uh, again i i give a lot of credit to josh heibel for that i talked about this yesterday i think this is one of the things that made Dabo swinney more successful than nick saban in the late 2010s Dabo swinney kind of let players be individuals and nick saban was you know nick saban's program is you're a cog in my system and that's all you are you're a nameless face in my system. And I think Josh Heupel's more the Swinney route, which is, no, you're an individual, and you get to come into your own playing in my system. More of all coverage as they're in preseason camp is now. Four downs brought to you by our friend Andy Mason, andymasonrealestate.com. Four downs. Four questions. Four answers. The Dave Hooker Show. Four. Four. Bounds. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. All right. So, four downs. We're going to focus on Tennessee's defensive line, the best one, the one of the most upside, the one that just can't lose this season, and the best bet as a whole. Four Downs is brought to you by Andy Mason, andymasonrealestate.com. With Andy Mason, you get the best prices and the best service in the biz. That's pretty phenomenal. Andy Mason, andymasonrealestate.com. Let's get to Four Downs right now. And uh, first, uh, Cooper Mays, what should people be doing that are on board? Cooper Mays here. Hit like and subscribe. Thank you. And turn your notifications on. What down, Coop? Coop here. First down. Perfect. Tennessee's best def- defensive lineman right now is. Are we counting edge rushers? Yes. Tyler Barron. I think Tyler Barron is a superstar this year. Uh, I would go Tyler Barron as well, but I could make a strong argument for Amari Thomas because I think he is going to be the most consistent interior defensive lineman. But. You got it's me. also because Dave secretly prefers Memphis to Knoxville, so he wants the Memphis kid over the Knoxville kid. I don't even know <laughs> where these young men are from. I treat <laughs> each and every one of them like they're from Powell High School. Second down, Coop. Cooper Mays here. Second down. Most upside defensive lineman. I'll go first. You know how I feel about this guy, Elijah Simmons. If, ever, if, if anybody on this football team 
goes from good to superstar this year. Either side of the ball, either position, I believe it will be Elijah Simmons would, would make that sort of jump. So I haven't seen it yet, but he was so highly touted when he was recruited. I can't imagine it won't show up eventually. So I'm still going to hold out for Tyree West. So Dave, you tell me why hasn't he emerged yet? Is there a reason? Do we know? But I, I just, I have to believe in him. I think there's a bunch of dudes right now that have similar talent. And I think there's maybe one or two guys that have special talent. He might be that guy. But I've heard from a lot of people that it is Simmons. So a little bit of whispers in the other direction, and I could have picked West in front of you. So I think he's in in that conversation. A lot of things click. I mean, we like to talk about John Henderson and Albert Hainsworth. Well, John Henderson, it clicked the moment he walked on campus, even though that was the old Prop 48, right, where he missed his He couldn't play in 98, yeah. Yeah, it was a Prop 48, which is such a goofy rule. But And then you had Albert Hainsworth that showed up and probably wasn't really ready to be a starter in, in the SEC because of maturity issues. So it happens for different guys. Um, so I don't know, but it's going to be one of them. I think one stands up, and I think you'll have Omari Thomas as kind of your, your go-to. What down are we on? Should I ask you or Coops? Coop got me? Coop's got you. Coop's got me. Third down. Good. Tennessee center Cooper Mays here. Third down. All right. One of these players is going to get left out of the hustle, okay? That's the way preseason camp works. And suddenly you go from thinking you're going to be a starter and the opener against Virginia to you're lucky to get out on the field and a blowout win against Austin P. and it's 38-3 to in the middle of the third quarter. Which one of these cats gets left out? Who needs to worry? Who needs to up their camp production like now on the defensive line? Okay, I got one for you, and it's a combination. Because he has Joshua more than one name? That's my guy. Go ahead. It's Joshua Josephs and James Pierce Jr., and I'm going to tell you why. We had both, both very good picks. Yes, I had a lot of hype behind them as edge rushers going into the year, but David Hobbs emerging in fall camp pushes both of them back. I think they're very good. I'm going to throw another one out there just for differences because we basically said that Simmons, your guys, and now this guy, uh, Omar Norman Lott. You know, he came in as a transfer. You don't come in as a transfer uh, to sit a while, do you? That's that's not the plan, right? Nope. You come into play. But also, you always have to you always have to wonder this, Dave. We've always talked about this with the trans, and this is still going to be a thing in the transfer portal. If a player transferred, a lot of times there's a reason. Okay, I've I'm taking my I'm taking that statement out of my lexicon, and here's the reason why. I think it was 110 percent true. They went to junior college for a reason. Nowadays, with the transfer portal being so open, I think they can legitimately just want to make the move. So if you look at his sophomore season, he played nine games with two starts at defensive tackle. In his final season with the Sun Devils, finished the year with 14 tackles, three tackles for a loss, and two sacks. So maybe he's. I mean, maybe it's because Herm Edwards got fired. It's possible. Maybe he didn't want to. He didn't like the way Arizona State handled that. But I, I would agree with you that it, it it's players can go where they want. But I I still think that's a. But if they go from a school schools on equal level, and maybe I'm speaking out of term because maybe Arizona State's they're probably not on 
equal level to Tennessee. So to be fair, but if you go from like, if you go, okay. If you transfer from Georgia to Tennessee, or if you transfer from Florida to Tennessee, then I start to wonder because I'm like, well, why did you transfer then? Yeah, I well, guess. Cade, I mean, Cade Mays transferred from Georgia. That was a very unique situation. And we know the whole, I mean, his, his dad, you know, his brother, Cade Mays always wanted to go to Tennessee. He just committed the year that Butch Jones lost complete control of the program. And if it were any other time period, Cade Mays would have committed to Tennessee. Yep, I would agree with that. Okay, so where are we now? Uh, most uh, We did most upside defensive linemen, can't lose. All right, best bet offensive linemen based off where defensive they are linemen. right. Defensive linemen. Uh, best bet defensive linemen where they are right now. Who would you pick based off of their upside and where they stand right now? The old, are you buying or are you selling? Fourth down, Coop? All SEC center, Cooper Mays here. Fourth down. Well, you know mine. I just think he's going to come through with his conditioning. There's too much ability. It's Elijah Simmons. The The flip side is I haven't been told by anybody that's been the case, but I just think there's too much potential there to motivate a young man, and he will. Do I feel great about it? No, I do not. So what you think about Elijah Simmons is what I think about Tyler Barron, and we're back to the best one from the first first down because I Tyler Barron, you may not remember this because you weren't covering Tennessee in 2021, but he was the starter at edge. Byron Young took his job. Barron entered the transfer portal for a minute in January and then came back. And then he was solid last year. I think if a flip, if if Barron flips that switch to say, I need to, you know, buckle down, I still think that we're talking. I think he could be better. I, th- I think talent, raw talent wise, he's better than Byron Young was. He just has to flip that switch. That's a pretty strong statement. If he is, then he he's going to be better he's bigger his size speed ratio is a little bit bigger and if you want somebody who i think right now i mean that's the guy they can't lose i mean that that's that's my guy but i believe elijah simmons has a greater floor and a greater ceiling well maybe the same floor actually maybe i'm misusing that term i think he has a greater ceiling athletically whereas maybe not the same floor as they're both. If, if they don't take a step, then they're just dudes, right? Yeah, yes. But as far as guys that can't lose, I, that is where I go to Amari Thomas. Because I think Amari, you don't have – you say Elijah Simmons upside. Amari Thomas is the only guy we know can be good at defensive tackle. Like, like there's about four if, – if Tyler Barron or Roman Harrison doesn't work out, there's now David Hobbs. And so – but there's just Amari Thomas at defensive tackle right now. No, completely agree. He is the one proven commodity on that group. The rest of it could be very good, but the rest of it could be average too. And then you get into where Tennessee is having to move an awful lot of guys around as far as twists and stunts, which we've talked about. That that makes you more vulnerable on, I don't care how good you are at it on the second level and probably to some extent on the third level. Auburn can roll Tumor's corner again this year. Which Tennessee tradition would be the most devastating to lose? Because I'm telling you, if the Saudis come in, it's the first thing they're going to cut. I'm not saying the Saudis are coming in every time soon. I got people so worked up with the YouTube message. Morty's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. No Saudi money next, but this is Off the Hook Sports. Candace, I was I was really heavy into the drug culture. Um, I was selling drugs. I was just constantly in pain. 
I was missing like a good support system in my life. Chaos has given me everything that I need in order to successfully have a wonderful recovery, in order to have a life that I didn't even know was possible. And it's not just about me anymore. And I love that. I absolutely love it. You can take your life back. Call Cadis today. With all that sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Sports Treasures in North Knoxville is one of the South's largest sports cards and memorabilia dealers featuring over 10 million sports cards from vintage to modern. Sports Treasures carries a full line of hobby boxes, singles, autographed memorabilia, Tennessee ball collectibles, fan cave decorations, and so much more. See a museum full of collectibles at Sports Treasures, 4819 North Broadway in Fountain City, and Sports Treasures on Facebook. Sports Treasures, where the real sports fan goes to shop. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Um, who's this guy? Hello, wizard! The Dave Hooker Show, Ooh. a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. What? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker. Before we dive into this Tennessee tradition that you just couldn't stand to lose, where does Tumor's Corner rank among cool traditions in the SEC and beyond? because that'll be our jumping off point. And it's brought to you by our friends at City Heating and Air Conditioning, cityheatandair.com, over 50 years in East Tennessee. Integrity matters. Where's that among the cool traditions? Of all of college football or just the SEC, if you want to scale it down a little bit. Okay, I am a save the trees kind of guy, so I keep it pretty low because they're just wasting paper. And, you know, you got to kill more trees to replace that. So I, I'm not going top 10. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, wait, wait. You're uh, okay. So you don't, but they're, they're saving. They've saved the trees. No, no, no. They saved the oak trees. But how many trees are being killed by you wasting toilet paper? Okay. So explain what a- Auburn is able to do to roll tumors corner again. And uh, then we'll get into which Tennessee tradition would be the most devastating to lose. All right. So they've been rolling tumors corner. What's wrong with that? You don't like rolling tumors corner. Okay. I I, look, I don't, I'm not hating on Auburn for doing this. I'm just saying, I don't (laughs) like wasting paper. I'm a save the trees guy. And so I'm not, I'm not those cow fans that hang out in the trees with no clothes on. Okay. Not that, but I am like, uh, you know, wasting paper is like, I'm not crazy about it, but I, I, I'll say in terms of fun, I got it in my top five. The best tradition in the SEC, everybody's going to hate me for this. It's the tailgate for the Florida Georgia game. That's the best tradition in the SEC. It's it's by, it's the tailgate in Jacksonville for the Florida Georgia game. If anybody's never, if you've never experienced it, 
you got to go to Jacksonville for, I don't know if you've ever been for one game, Dave. No, have you gone to the largest outdoor cocktail party, which we can't count anymore? Yes. Yes. I've gone to it one time. I think it was 2006. I want to say best tradition in football. Like the most fun tradition in football is the tailgate for the Florida Georgia game. But in terms of fun, Tumor's Corner is in my top five. It's probably top. It actually might even be top three because it's an excuse to party. But okay. I, I, I just, I, I don't like wasting paper. Well, okay, that's if that's the way way you stand. It's good that I've learned that about you, and and I don't waste a lot of paper around the office. So uh, we're mostly digital here at Off the Hook Sports. Uh, I think uh, coolest traditions. Um, there's a couple that that come to mind. And uh, one is, even though it's uh, South Carolina, it's, I think, a super cool tradition when they do the, uh, what's the uh, the rooster's name that jumps out of there to the Space Odyssey movie that says, hello, Dave. Dave, how are you doing, Dave? Remember the 2001 Space Odyssey? A little before your time. But they come out, cocky comes out, the rooster, to that. Another great tradition is in man just night games are tough to beat when you go to some of these places whether it's lsu the fact that they have a tiger on the field and i once walked up to said tiger and thought will this tiger roar at me if i just get close enough and say hi and it didn't roar it hissed and 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 a noise that i can only describe as shook my soul to feardom that i've never felt the depths of it was it was the oddest hissing sound like a cat would make, except it was 2,000 pounds. Other traditions. The worst one, one of the worst, is right before an Alabama game starts, and you, you have Paul Bear Bryant, who's one of the greatest coaches of all time, and he's and you can't understand the pregame. What are other traditions you hate or love from the SEC before we get to Tennessee's absolute best? Well, my most hated tradition, and I'm going to be honest, I actually, I'm not one that like, I'm a rival, because I just brought up like, I love the Florida Georgia cocktail party. Alabama's obsession with Sweet Home Alabama makes that the worst song in America. I cannot stand that song. Okay, okay. I like that song when I'm at a NASCAR race in Talladega. Does that make it weird? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, they they literally they literally play the opening little riff of it whenever they get a first down. Now it's just like it's it, it oh it drives me crazy. But I who I can't talk because like that's probably how everybody feels about Rocky Top on the other side. The best yeah. tradition, by the way, I, I left out top three. Vol Navy's top three. Vol Navy is a top three tradition. Yeah. Okay. Or uh, yeah, third down for what is pretty awesome. Now, okay, Butch Jones. <laughs> okay butch uh, um, so so the trees are back you can roll them here are the traditions that stand out to me that make tennessee different so I'm oh wait ex- before you go there alabama's yes. biggest tradition is is Very coward good. cowardly yeah, doing things to fans that can't fight back i.e rolling tumor i.e poisoning tumors corner when nobody's around or Suing in the case Philip of the Fulmer. suing Philip Fulmer, or in the case of the 2011 national title game, go back and look this up. This happened. An Alabama fan sexually assaulted an LSU fan who was drunk and passed out and did it on camera and filmed himself doing it. 
I think you know what well, I'm Well, you about. just got really heavy there. I was going to try to tell an Alabama joke, and I don't know that I have the ability, even with 25 years in some sort of broadcasting, to segue into a funny joke after what you did to me there. <laughs> go, go with it. Go with it. You just pushed me off the pre- precipice of good taste. Uh, now I'm going to pass, and I'm going to leave it at that story. Tennessee's best traditions, when I think of traditions, here's what I think of. I don't think of the ball walk because I see that at other schools. They might call it the Tiger Walk or the Tide Walk, or but they've got those at several other schools. That's not as big of a deal. And, you know, they just they do that. Now, I think it's super cool when Tennessee goes on the road or they go to bowl site. But let me hear from you on the message board. What are Tennessee's traditions you just couldn't live without? I would hate to see the checkerboard end zones go away. That honestly is like a six-year-old. I thought, those are stupid. Why don't they have their names in them? But now it looks pretty cool over time. The funding for the band, who I think most people tend to believe that Tennessee or Alabama's band is one of the top two in the nation. Wouldn't you say that's kind of right? The thing that I kind of miss a little bit, but I realize it comes about from animal cruelty would be the Tennessee walking horse, but you have to abuse a horse, so I'm not for that. Uh, I don't know. A lot of these, you think about it, are, are Doug Dickey ones um, that he brought in when when he took over. But what other traditions does this Tennessee have? You simply couldn't. Playing Alabama, I guess, would be number one, but I think that might get dropped at some point as well. I mean, you're right. Most of these, like, it's funny, the Golden Age of Tennessee didn't have any of these because Robert Galen... Robert Nealon like wasn't was the golden age and none of these were around. I will say that I think the checkerboard end zones were around because aren't they based on the design around the around Ayers Hall at the top? Isn't that where the checkerboard end zones come from? I believe it is. Um, uh, well, we'll have to take your word for it. I just know they used to they walk from uh, the the individual dorms. Now this one we we can't let slip by as a pretty smart one by Tennessee Junior. 100% running through the T. Doug Dickey invented that. Yeah, that's pretty tough to beat. I mean, Colorado has to bring like a wild animal um, to make theirs nearly as cool. I mean, who else? Runs Ohio on- State has the O that's pretty cool with the band. Who? The band does Ohio State, the band does the O. They dot, yeah, they dot the I. Yeah, they dot the I. Yeah, and it, that's pretty cool. The best Tennessee tradition is of all Navy, though. There are only two tailgates on water in all of college football and it's washington and tennessee that is the best tradition that you can tailgate on a boat dave you covered recruiting i'm shocked they don't have recruits do the vol navy more when they're visiting that's Uh, the best selling point yeah but they'll never get to do it when they're here and 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 i don't know take them down there have a good time like and and, and also college kids you could get really loaded because they'd be over 21. <laughs> That's There you go. I mean, I'm surprised no one's ever drunkenly jumped in the river in Tennessee. Have they? Maybe you know. Has anybody from the Vol Navy ever drunk, drunkenly like jumped in the Tennessee River? Have I? No, has anybody? Oh, well, I think the answer is probably yes to both questions. It, oh, oh, really? <laughs> no, I have not. I was is, the river, is the river swimmable right there? It, it's just less than like six blocks from the sewage plant. So absolutely. Oh my gosh. Other than that, yeah, you don't want to swim in that stuff. Because be, you, being come, from, you, come out of, you come out of Norris Lake or Watts Bar and you like feel tremendous. You come out of that thing, you're like, I need a shower as soon as possible. 
Well, is there, but is there like a current that like, so in Memphis, I don't know if you know the Mississippi river, the reason you can't swim there is literally there's an undertow will drag you under. It's impossible to swim in the Mississippi river in Memphis and not drown. Because yeah, the, but have you tried? Why don't you do it, Dave? Why don't you try to swim across the Mississippi? You swim from Memphis to Arkansas. <laughs> All right. Um, um, no, I don't think you want to swim in that water. But you wouldn't want, yeah. That's that's the best one. Who's the other school? Is it Washington? It's someplace out west. Washington, Washington. Yeah, they do it in Seattle on the, and they're on the coast. Tennessee's not even on the coast, and they do it. It's pretty dope, actually. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Um, seems like there was one other school that had a small lake that kind of tried to edge their way in recently. When I heard that stat over the past couple of years, that it was Washington and Tennessee. I yeah, that would have to be the coolest tradition. Let's face it, if they put. Tennessee in the end zones, you'd be fine. They did get rid of the walking horse. No, I'd take running through the power tee. That's no, it. More than the Vol Navy. I think a lot of people come in from downtown and they have boats in other places, like North, up in Norris Lake, which is God's Lake. And I think that, you know, they, they don't do the Vol Navy thing. They do the, I just come in, I get my good parking pass, and I watch them run through the tee, and I can't imagine going there without that. I do. If I, were I a head, that's a big thing. If I were a head coach, that's how I would get to the stadium. I would drive – or that's how I'd go to work every day. I'd drive my boat to work down the Tennessee River. I and, swear somebody did that. I'm surprised you ha- you you don't know that. But somebody, I think, at Tennessee actually did do that. Really? That is kind of intriguing. Yes, and it may have been a basketball coach for some reason. I don't know why, but – I By the way, another great one. We we got to bring it up because we all are dog lovers here. But Smokey, come on, he's not, it doesn't even it's not even really emblematic of Tennessee or the Volunteers. But who doesn't love Smokey? Well, here's the thing with Smokey: everybody has a mascot. The running through the T. Everybody has a pregame, but they don't have the running through the T. But did their mascot have an? animal the form that bit a player on an opposing team the way Smokey bit an Alabama player in 2006. No, but Ugga's done that to Tennessee's <laughs> players, right? Ha- okay, who if you got if you got bit by Ugga and you whine about that, come on now. That that that, that tiny little bulldog. Well, a lot of times there can be things that yeah, go on during practice that are even tougher than getting bit by an animal. And that's called getting in a fight with a uh, six foot three, 300 pound man. So a video erupted a fight at LSU football practice disrupts the Tigers Monday workout. I've covered, we figured it up at one point. If we want to figure it up right now, we, we, we can. So let's say 15 years on a beat. Let's say roughly. Um, oh, I don't know. Uh, 150 practices a year. So we're up there in uh, multi-thousands of practices I've been to. I've seen great practice fights. I wouldn't mind sharing you, sharing with you some of those. But I can tell you that from talking to some people within Tennessee's program, Josh Heupel is very against practice fights. I can tell you that it was Butch Jones who said a guy just fell on a helmet which was a straight-up lie, which was not a way to handle a practice fight. Dave, what do we want from our media? Well, I got got one last one. I can tell you that Philip Fulmer, before the 98 season, practically started a fight because his offensive linemen were getting whipped, and he said, are you guys men? 
why don't you go out there and show them that you're man? And he did it on purpose. And it was a complete brouhaha, like all 85 scholarship players were involved. So to simply say, broad brush it, no fighting in practice, Josh Heupel, you're smarter than me when it comes to being a football coach. You're going to have more success than me as a football coach. But to completely rule it out, I think it's crazy. I love to see me some fights. That means it means something. You don't think that 98 team was fighting? You don't think every great team was fighting? I mean, for goodness sake, that that's why in the NFL they hold these scrimmages between two teams because you're not going to fight yourself because he may live two doors down from you. So you're not going to fight him. That's what these scrimmages are for is to fight. So there is a movie, and I've referenced it before, but I'm going to reference it again. It's called The Junction Terms Boys. of Endearment. No. <laughs> it's called The Junction Boys. It's about Bear Bryant yeah. doing a doing a camp in Junction, Texas, the year he took the job at Texas A&M because he felt his team was soft. For those who don't know, if Bear Bryant ran that practice today, anybody coach runs that practice today, they'd be in prison. Because it was a – he we practiced for – Eight hours, 10 hours a day in a, the middle of a drought and 100-degree temperatures in West Texas with no water for his teams. But at one moment, this is one of the accurate parts of the story, uh, he was mad that his defensive ends didn't know how to whip a block. And that defensive end and alignment got into a massive fight. And they were, I mean, like like really, really, really bit bad fight. And the coaches were about to break it up. And Bear Bryant said, no, let him go all night. This is the most hitting I've seen in practice all year. <laughs> he said, this is, "He literally said that's the only time he ever saw hitting in practice, and he let him go." No, I, and I'm a big fan of hitting for the most part. Uh, I think a college athletes, you got to be a little bit more careful. But um, you know, a, a lot of coaches uh, thought before the sport got a little bit softer that you should hit as early as the week before the Super Bowl. I mean, that wasn't incredibly unusual that you should still hit. Now, there's a difference between taking to the ground which it, you shouldn't do in practice a lot, and thud tackling where you don't take people to the ground. Now, that can in and of itself create bad practice habits as far as tackling, but you'd rather do that and not have a player's legs get caught up. So I got zero problem with with fighting, uh, with uh, you know players standing up for what they believe. I know the most famous one, Caleb and you and I have talked about it, was the Albert Hainsworth, who's, who's been in the news recently, with the large pole. No, it wasn't a barbell, but it was like a large workout pole. When he came back to hit Will Often, he was upside the head with it. And I was there. That that happened. And we thought the fight had been broken apart. And then it comes back together. And Will Often Hussle's off stage left, giggling, because he just thought the whole thing was hilarious. And Philip Fulmer grabbed uh, Albert Hainsworth by the shoulder pads and Philip and Albert completely stopped right then. Now, that almost went too far, because if you swing a big, huge pole, Caleb, you and I both know that is what? That is a federal Salt. offense. That's yes, a that, is, yes, that is a That's a felony, yes. yes. And by the way, Albert Hainsworth is lucky he didn't get a couple of assault charges when he played in the NFL. Yes, and probably a few in practice that we're not aware of. So these these fights that happen in practice make you a better team. Now you have to have a maturity. And this is why it surprises me a little bit that Josh Heupel is so against fighting. You have to have a little bit of a maturity, Caleb, to know that once those fights are over and you walk off the practice field, by the time you get into the locker room, those are absolutely over. 
And that's why it surprises me because I look at this group and I think Josh Heupel has a mature enough group to do that. I would probably challenge them at one point. And what if there's a little brouhaha? I think the game is different now. Again, during the 90s when Tennessee was winning, we've talked about this yesterday. Fulmer was old school X's or Jimmy's and Joe's over X's and O's. But if you're an X's and O's team, which Tennessee is now, it's a little bit more heady with the way you play. I think with Peyton Manning in the NFL, and I, I, I told you off air, I criticized Peyton Manning for this. Peyton Manning has talked about he didn't like when his teammates got into fights on the field because he's like, it's a 15-yard penalty. All he was thinking, 15-yard penalty, it could hurt you here, here. And he didn't understand, like, sometimes the moxie is needed for your team because a lot of Peyton Manning teams were criticized for being soft against tough defenses in the postseason. And But Peyton Manning was an X's and O's type of guy, and he was trying to outsmart you. And I think when you're that type of team, which Tennessee is, you're not going to be thinking winning the one-on-one fighting matchups in the trenches the way you used to be. I don't mind it. I think you still should. I mean, let's be honest, the best moment of last year for Tennessee that we all thought was when Jeremiah Crawford threw up on the field and then just pointed at the Alabama guy. I mean, that was just epic. And well, and and Robert, Robert Rex road who I enjoy his, um, contributions to the program said why beat each other up save it for our opponents Mm, no it's the opposite it's beat each other up so that when you face your opponents that's easy that's what the great teams do practice is so hard the game is easy um robert said i've seen peyton red face mad he is also the guy that installed the practices are just like practices in the summer except you're not wearing pads, but they'll be the same as they were in preseason camp and spring camp. So he's one of those as well. And that's Peyton what they was verbal. Oh yeah. Peyton was verbally abusive. Very much so to his players. I'm sure you know that Dave, that Peyton was probably the most verbally abusive player of all time to his teammates. <laughs> I think most, Don't you think most of the great ones are, and that's why they're not good coaches because they can't live up to they, their daily standard. Yeah, what they what what great players do, and this is Michael Jordan's problem as a GM, they say, if this player has my drive, he can be like me. Well, that player doesn't have your drive because nobody has your drive. And so I mean it's it's, it's legendary. I'll use the Kobe story, how he'd get up at two o'clock in the morning so he could get an extra workout in, midday sleep, and then work out with the team. So most people aren't gonna have that same sort of drive. That's just not the way people are wired, or there wouldn't be special people. Like Peyton Manning. I mean, let's talk about physically. Peyton Manning is not wowing you with his God-given gifts. He's wowing you with what he did with a good set of God-given gifts. Yeah, I agree. Peyton Manning, every, with the exception of accuracy. Now, I will say Peyton Manning's accuracy was probably his one physical gift that stood above every other quarterback in his prime, wouldn't you? Like, he he could deliver it. Pro- Peyton Manning's probably the guy that could throw the ball through the little – do the Dr. Pepper challenge with the SEC – and hit it through the through the little hoop every time if you wanted without to. having to do the two hand shovel pass, which I hate. Yeah, he he could have done that, and he also the whole Ryan Leaf had a massively stronger armor than arm than him was a little bit overdone. Um, I thought Peyton had a bazooka coming out of college, but he, he did. But he, he didn't have he Joe lost. Milton's arm, and maybe Ryan Leaf was a little stronger. But nobody said, "Oh, I don't think he can quite make the deep out." I mean, nobody nobody yeah. ever said that. I think Peyton, 
And there's a difference between doing what Peyton or Michael does, which is they they go hard on you. We all have seen that clip of Peyton cussing out Jeff Saturday when he was mic'd up, which is hilarious. <laughs> when, um, or, or the kids in, in Saturday Night Live. Oh, that's no, that was <laughs> um And there's a difference between that and remember this, AJ McCarron, like publicly cussing out his center at the time because he just wanted to try, try to make a show for himself as some sort of tough guy because I think AJ McCarron was a fraud of a leader at Alabama. I have no respect for him whatsoever. I just wanted to throw a shot at him. If, to get Wow. So, just AJ um, McCarron driving down the road with his ears burning all of a sudden. I hope you hear Does this, that, AJ McCarron. You're a yeah. fraud. Yeah. Does uh, Brent Musburger at any point get drugged into the conversation because AJ Karen's wife was <laughs> AJ McCarron's girlfriend or wife was the subject of Brent Musburger's 20 minute diatribe on the national championship game. I hope she leaves him for Brent Musburger. Oh, gosh, that would be. <laughs> Seems like a bad choice all around. Brent's just kind of hanging on. Travis says, if you don't beat each other up, your opponent damn sure will. I tend to agree with that. Um, That's okay like raising that. a kid. If you don't, if you're not hard on your kid, life will be hard on your kid. Yes. And, yes, it's exactly and, right. When my kid was two years old and she didn't want to sit in the uh, the seat there, the hot chair, at a restaurant, she'd cry until somebody would pick her up. So I said, okay, we're going to the loudest restaurant I know. It's a sports bar. And she sat there the whole time, and we refused to pick her up. And it wasn't great for the people around us, but I knew I had to drive that one lesson home. And I remember a lady leaning over and saying, you know, someone needs to pick that kid up. And I said, someone needs to meet, just you know, pay attention to their own damn business. <laughs> This kid is basically what I said. And they say, uh, and, and, and they say you should never hit a woman. Some women should be hit. <laughs> I don't know that, that was the one that, that was the last time she cried in her high seat. So yes, there you maybe, go. That, maybe that's what we're saying that all people need. My uh, my dog, my dog cried in his crate the first time I put him in there. He's never cried since. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, that's what dog ambient can do. Uh two minutes coming. <laughs> Uh, coming up realignment good or bad for college football greg sankey feels sadness what what word would you use to describe realignment of college football conferences sadness is not the word that i'm going to pick top greatest seasons by tennessee safety of all time eric berry should be one and two on my list what does caleb calhoun do two minutes off those sports Our family has been creating one-of-a-kind pieces of jewelry in West Knoxville since 1986. Each piece is a combination of unique processes that bring your idea to life. Every day in our shop, a truly special item with a story all its own is being manufactured in our facility, bringing the history and family sentiment into a whole new generation of life. We are grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler, a title that we value and respect. Because to me, being a jeweler and owning a jewelry store are not the same thing. I'm Rick Terry, I'm a jeweler, and we wanna be your jeweler. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street right next to the Tennessee Theater. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. 
We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. There's These mountains hold and defend a spirit far better than moonshine. A drink that holds flavor that becomes necessity. A hard cider made and relished by folk who are as hearty as they are legend. A refreshment that can only be found in one place. With a taste that makes you say, give me three bottles of the good stuff. Tennessee Cider Company, where necessity can be found. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Objective coverage. Hey, that's new. If we get caught, we're going to jail. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. I'm going to need to see some identification. Back to Dave Hooker. Before we get to best safeties of all time and the best safety seasons turned in in Tennessee football history, I uh, want to update you with um, the fighting in the offseason. And apparently everybody on our board uh, almost exclusively thinks that you should fight. Maybe that's how you should warm up in every practice, just a quick fight. I mean, I think you should always – look, Michael Jordan punched Steve Kerr in the face, and the Bulls had and the best team of all time that year. You made damn sure that he liked it too. Made damn sure that he liked it? What? <laughs> Just, yeah, he's and, and by the way, I broke with everybody in 2004. Remember 2004 when the when Ron Artest went into the stands and beat up a fan, and it was like that's so disgraceful that the NBA would do that. What are y'all talking about? That's the greatest moment in the history of professional sports, right there, when Ron Artest beat up a fan. Yeah, but you were the one who wanted that Alabama player to hit that Tennessee fan, and that poor girl, she's still probably not walking around to this day. That oh my gosh, that Alabama player was not. Uh, not threatened at all but i do say this i say this and i will say this now if you storm the field or the court you lose all protection from players who want to beat the you know what out of you i think a player has every right to hit somebody who runs onto the court or the field i don't care what they're there for they have every right that is their domain and if you weren't onto the field or court you can't complain if you get knocked out okay but but you're saying, though, however, if Darnell Wright runs into my office, that I'm allowed to beat him up because this is my workspace, right? 
Yes, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> I think you're going to lose that. I think you're losing that fight, Dave. I think I've got my fingers crossed for a result that's not going to happen at all. Real alignment, good or bad for college football. I'm going to play a little game here. So go ahead and if you can uh, just fill in there on the message board and whoever uh, gives me the best answer today, then I'm going to hook you up with a uh, hooker t-shirt and uh, you'll appreciate that. I know because uh, all the ladies love it and I see them. By, by the way, the Josh Mancuso guy uh, uh, is uh, kicking it nowadays. He's getting interviewed at like open wheel racing events. He's not a big time comedian. So he wore my hooker shirt on one of his videos. You know who I'm talking about? The comedian. It's he's fantastic. We need to have him on Fridays. Where are you is there? That the, uh, that's not the Coach Lance guy, is it? No, that's um. Yes. No, no, no. Yes. That, it is. Oh yeah. wow! Look at him. There you go. So we're gonna hook you up with the best answer to this question, and it is is uh, realignment good for ba- good or bad for college football? Sankey says he feels sadness sadness so whoever picks the best word better than sadness that is currently in the lead they will win a hooker t-shirt how about that pretty cool so you gotta beat sadness caleb calhoun i'm the judge and jury Uh, tracy morgan is going to jump in with me and uh, call some people out that's crazy all right so sadness beat sadness because i'm going to defend the commissioner of the sec he does feel sadness because he hates to see the way things have gone. Does he feel any regret? H to the E to the double hockey sticks? No, he doesn't. Because he got Texas and Oklahoma and he could get even better. But it's okay to feel sadness. You break up with the girl. You move on. She's better looking. She's more fun. You're not second guessing your move. But you feel a little sadness that what's her name isn't holding up as well. This is the song closing time. Every new beginning comes from somewhere their beginnings end. That's a lot of words. It's one. I know, I know, but here's the thing. Robert says melancholic. Okay, I'm going. I'm going to say what Greg. Robert's turning. Robert's skin is turning yellow. Greg Sinky. I'm going to tell you what he's really feeling. Fear. Fear. Greg Sinky dropped the ball. He started the trend of realignment by adding Texas and Oklahoma. But then he dropped the ball and let the Big Ten move faster than him. And now the Big Ten has leverage over the SEC because of mismanagement by Greg Sinke. And the sadness comes from the fact that he's now worried what's going to happen in okay. the SEC. So it's fear. Well, Caleb is, is oftentimes uh, wrong on the program, but not like 120% wrong. I'm never wrong on the program. What do you it's, think it's, it's content. It's comfortable. Just see what happens, Big Ten. Wrong. See how you mess this up. And then if I want to, I'll come steal Oregon and Washington from you one day because the SEC will be able to do that. It's contentment. I don't know that it's sadness at all. By the way, th- just so you don't know, the Pac-12 has broken up before. And uh, Caleb probably knows this. It was, uh, I heard somebody citing this. It was like back in the 1940s. It's done it before. I mean, we are not in crazy land. Uh, no, it rebrand it rebranded, but it, the conference has been around for over a hundred years. Yeah, but I mean, they were down to like four or five teams at one point. But, Tennessee Junior goes despondent, <laughs> which is I think despondent, but nevertheless, 
I've got Tennessee Jr. with Despondic right now leading. Overall, conference realignment is bad for college football. It's bad. And Dave, I'm going to tell you why. Why? I got a question, Dave. You were why is it bad? Why is it bad? Because do you remember the 2007 regular season? Do you remember the chaotic 2007 season? Yes. You're never going to have a season like that again in college football. So? Ever, because of, that's the greatest, most entertaining season in the history of sports. You can't find a better season than that. Conference realignment is bad because I don't want an NFL model with 60 teams or whatever. I like college football to have however many teams across the country and you win your championship for your region and you have regional pride. And then you, and then the, the, the extra trophy, uh, the extra cherry is winning a national title. What's happening right now. Could you imagine if high school football went this route? If high school football went like, Oh, we're going to have a national high school football league. That would be terrible. Okay. Why? Because, because they do it in Knox- baseball. But you're from Knoxville. Does the Powell High? I mean, you're from the does Alcoa Maryville. Is that not a great rivalry in high school football? Could you imagine that if that was lost? Rivalry. Yes, that's yes. a great rivalry. I'm from Memphis, Ridgeway White Station. I went to Ridgeway. My brother went to White Station. Great rivalry in basketball. If you go national with all of this, these regional amazing rivalries that are so tied to so many things are gone. I'm sorry. Wait, wait, wait. Tell me that. But Caleb, tell me that. Fans aren't going to pile into planes and go to an Oregon game or a Penn State game or a Texas game or wherever the SEC is going to be played. Fans are oh, going to pile in. They will, but Dave, I got a question. You're a Cowboy fan. Okay, they're in the NFC East. I don't know how they are in the NFC East regionally. That's the stupidest thing in the world that the NFL does. But what do you care more? Okay, say you were still a Tennessee fan and not covering Tennessee. In a given year, the Cowboys can sweep Washington – or they or Tennessee beats Alabama. You're taking Tennessee beats Alabama every time, if you're yes. still a Tennessee fan. Yes, every single time. No Tennessee. Heck, Tennessee Vanderbilt is a more entertaining rivalry than Dallas and Washington. Okay, but okay, but let's make the let's make the comparison fair. If you're a Tennessee fan out there, would you take eleven and one and win a national title, or would you beat Alabama, Georgia, and Florida and somehow not get in the college football playoff? You'll take 11 of one. I agree. But the, the national title's there. But what I'm seeing is college football is making it all about the national title. And that's what's bad for the sport. It's See, That's where I the NFL was, model in is. I, I'm, I'm, what, about 10, 15 years older than you? I remember thinking it should be all about the national title in the 80s when they're splitting it up because the AP and the coaches can't decide who gets it. To me, that was stupid. To me, I felt this way in 1989. Yeah, I... I I felt this way that th- this should all come together and be a lot simpler. Had I known it was going to take this long, I wouldn't have gotten my hopes so high at the time because I thought it would take three or four years. My thinking was at the time in the mid nineties that both they, w- they would have a college football playoff of 12 to 16 teams and marijuana would be legal in the next three or four years. We saw that both took a lot longer than we thought, but here we are, and I'm glad, and I want to see great games. I want to see a Tennessee, Penn State, uh, an off-week game, knowing that they both have to win to either keep home field advantage, have a bye, or make the playoffs, whatever the case may be. Yes, I'm up for a 38-48 to 48 team model of the best of the best, and take out all this NIL ambiguous craziness, the schools 
need to pay the players. So the players can go ahead and unionize. They can determine what they want, but the schools pay the players. And if you want to have your $100 handshakes, go ahead and do them. But ultimately, it's got to funnel through the schools. That's the only way to fix NIL. By Dave's standards, guys, just know what Dave's saying on the message board. By Dave's standards, the 85 Vols belong in the dustbin of history. Because they didn't win the national title. No, 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 no. How about last year? How about last year? Let's say that Tennessee didn't make the 12-team playoff and they because they slipped up to Florida. Okay, let's just say, just because we got to give them a reason that they're not in the 12, all right? Mm-hmm. That's still a special year if they go from where they are to 13 or 14 and don't make the playoff. The 85 Sugar Balls are still a special year. Very special. That's It's not, though, if, you, if we go by... The, the, the thing was winning a champion... Winning your conference title mattered uh, to a great degree. One of the best things I will say, I criticize college basketball all the time. And I think college, and I I cannot stand the college basketball model. I think it's stupid. I don't like a 68 team tournament, but think about those smaller schools that win their conference championship. That's their championship. Yes. They get bounced out by a one seed in the first round of the NCAA tournament and lose by 40 to Duke, but like their championship was winning their conference to get to the NCAA tournament. And I think that was, there's something special about where college football, that was across the board and it made games matter more. Last year's Tennessee-Alabama game is, in two years, will be rendered completely irrelevant. There's there's uh, no value to that game because both teams make the playoff. Okay. I, I mean, I see where you're going, but I think that they'll still be selling shirts. I think that'll be that'll still be one of the greatest memories in Tennessee football fans' history. It'll still be to Alabama fans – It'll be the game that got away if Jameer Gibbs makes that catch and the kicker makes the kick. Uh, you know, I I don't think that game's going to be f- forgotten. I mean, I if you want to look, it won't back, be because there wasn't a twelve team playoff. But if there was, it would have been forgotten. But I still remember a lot of the great games in regular season history um, in the NFL. Maybe not as many percentage wise, but I still remember. I, I remember a lot of the playoff games. Yes, you remember the playoff games, but you don't because remember they're going the regular home season. If not. Yes, that's why the playoffs is awesome. But the regular season is not as big in the NFL because of that. The kick six would go in the dustbin of history, too. The Auburn-Alabama kick six, the greatest game in the history of college football, would be rendered is going to be would have been completely irrelevant with the 12 team playoff. And I mean, also, by the way, because conferences are getting so big. Conference championships don't matter that much anymore either because the conference are so big. Your focus is getting on the 12 team playoff. Who cares if you win the conference? And except for like, a, you only care to win the conference for purposes of a first round buy in the playoff, but you don't actually have like, okay, so you didn't win a 20 team conference championship. Okay. Okay. All right. I just, I still think that. There's enough at stake where the regular season is going to be huge and nobody's going to be happy with nine and threes. The big programs are not going to be happy with nine and three slipping into the playoffs and losing first round. So I don't think that the entire the the entire way of judging a good season has been changed completely. It's been altered a little bit, but it's I don't think it's going to be changed because ultimately you're going to have the Mark Richt effect where it seemed like they were always knocking on the door of a championship, never got there, but we're winning 10 games. That wasn't good enough. I don't believe that's going to be the case. 
with other teams that are going to be good enough if they just slip in. Safety. What an interesting position. When you look at it now, Tennessee practically, with most of the other teams in the SEC and college football, has a third safety on the field. They got the free strong safety, and then they got the nickelback. Well, those were most often Greatest band ever. Yes, nickelback is definitely the greatest band ever. They're right up there with, uh, yeah, Twisted Sister. So, but <laughs> uh, essentially, we're bringing a three, a third safety on the field, a hybrid of a linebacker and a safety. Before we get to the top ten, um, top ten performances as a safety in Tennessee football history, how did you weigh that or not? I mean, I know you did because we talked about it off the air. But for those that might be curious, because you've got some awesome names and some names on here that over the years, in particular, one. Um, always causes great debate that he should be higher on any list like this. So you'll probably get some criticism off one name. I'm going to tell you who it is in a little bit. But how did you how did you weigh sometimes guys playing in the box more from the secondary position? Yeah, so I actually judged if you actually played in the secondary. And so there were some secondary players that moved into kind of a linebacker role hybrid certain times. I took that into account. So I, I, but safety more than cornerback. And Dave, you know, this, you can take stats into account more for a safety than a cornerback because safety is their job is to actually be where the ball is a lot of times, whereas a cornerback is to keep the ball away from them, honestly. And so I took into account tackles, tackles for a loss, interceptions and accolades and team success. All of that went into account. All right, let's get rolling here because it's a great list. Uh, and towards the top, I can give you some insight into some guys that you may not know. Uh, Bill Young, 1968, uh, an era that saw Jim Weatherford, Mike Jones, and Albert Dorsey uh, have wild success at cornerback. Also saw Bill Young thrive at a safety. Um, very, very good. And then right there at number nine, Tim Priest is the name you mentioned. He held the Tennessee single season interception record, I believe, for the longest time. And and Tim Priest, because I think the work he did on the Vol Network, because he is uh remain local, is a fan favorite, no question about him. I, I think he's really, really good on his uh when he did the color commentary. I know he had to step away because I think he had a grandson maybe in college. But uh yeah, he's just fantastic. That 1970 year he had uh man. Uh, 69 he had seven interceptions and then he had uh nine in 1970 this is not a passing age of of college football this is pretty crazy to think about well the 1968 1972 like years for tennessee like i think they have like the three seasons with the most interceptions in ncaa history during that period that's why you guys notice a lot of cornerbacks and safeties are on this list for tennessee from that period doug dickey actually funny story doug dickey was an assistant with Johnny Majors under Frank Broyles when Broyles was winning national titles at Arkansas, and Doug Dickey specialized in defensive backs. And that really showed with what he did. My favorite Tim Priest story you weren't covering at the time, he all but cursed out Butch Jones's play calling when Tennessee played Florida in 2017. And he's supposed to be the ball network, kind of loyal to the guy. And at one point, he's like, that was a terrible call right there. <laughs> uh and I'm just going to leave it like this. Tim felt that way a lot longer before then. Did I give a little insight without giving anything away? Is that fair? About Butch specifically? Yeah. 
Jabril Wilson, you have number eight in 2003. Maybe we'll have Tim be a regular part of the program. See, you got me thinking. Uh, Jabril Wilson, the reason I love Jabril Wilson is he showed up. That midseason enrollees didn't happen a lot. You'd have two maybe a year, and then you thought, wow, we've got guys that are really hustlers. They're going to go get it. And then it would happen with a junior college player or not. Uh, Jabril Wilson was one of those guys, and the sports information information method back then was just push them in front of the media. So poor Jabril, I've never interviewed anybody in my life, and I've interviewed eighth graders that was more nervous. Like, what have I gotten myself into? There's three cameras. There's ten people around here asking me questions, and then after that, he was incredibly well spoken great to work with and turned into a great player. But I remember asking Larry Slade, I said, what is it about Jabril Wilson that's got him on the field so much? He goes, well, do you notice he's always around the ball? Good point. Maybe I overthought it. 1973, Eddie Brown, one of the hardest hitting safeties in Tennessee football. Why? Eddie Brown was actually, it's funny because Jabril Wilson was also a hard hitting safety too. And Eddie Brown was right after that era of interception you basically for Tennessee, what I call it. Mm-hmm. And but he was part of the Conjures Holloway years and had five interceptions, a bright spot on defense. And I think what we forget about the early to mid 70s with Tennessee was the program was clearly sliding. I don't know if it was Bill Battle's fault or the administration's fault for not giving him support. You you could give me more insight to that than myself, Dave, but it seemed like the program was sliding, but players like Eddie Brown and Conjure Holloway kind of slowed the slide with their play. It's a good point. It's a little bit before my time, uh, but thanks for making me feel old to be able to. <laughs> to give you well, no, I, I don't mean you being, I don't mean you being, I thought you might know some people who were, who had some insight. Um, I know that's yeah. I do think like, you, did you know, you Haywood Harris? Point, I don't know. <laughs> you brought up the uh, point to me uh, a couple of months ago that, um, probably Condridge slowed the slide. Not that that was a really good point. That I don't, I don't know that we've talked about before. Roland James like Dobbs, 19- Dobbs slowed Butch Jones being fired. But yeah, yeah. Roland Jones uh, James, nineteen seventy nine. Um, he started alongside Bill Bates. Bill Bates turned out to be pretty good. Dell Carter, nineteen ninety. Even though it wasn't from the secondary, who can forget the uh, uh, kick return? I think it was a kick return against Florida, right? When, when Florida was kicking, the ball was going out of bounds. And Dale Carter's like, no, I'm going to feel this anyway. Yeah. <laughs> he returned it for a touchdown. <laughs> then you have Chris White in 85, who's a part of those Sugar Balls teams that nobody will ever forget. That Dave uh, wants to be forgotten. That who wants to be forgotten? I said I, I said that Dave wants to be forgotten. That you want to be oh, forgotten. That, no, I don't want it to be forgotten. I'm, I'm all for it. Uh, Bobby Majors, uh, biggest one of the biggest names, if not the bigger biggest name, is the Majors family. And um, man, this is—it's just—you've got written here. The younger brother of Johnny Majors came down with ten interceptions in 1970. He ended up with 36 picks. No, UT in 1970, UT. Tennessee as a team had 36 interceptions in 1970. That's a record that can be touched. Okay, now the top two I'm not going to argue with. Deion Grant, 1999. Although I would say because of the championship, I I understand the stats may not uh, back it up, but with the interception against Florida, I would probably put 98 just because of where my headspace has been. 
Then Eric Berry, 2008, you could go 2008 or 2009. Was that a tough decision, Berry, over Grant? Because as much as I love Dion, that would not have been a tough decision for me. No, it wasn't. And the reason it wasn't a tough decision was because Dion Grant, we're forgetting this part. And Dion Grant's a great safety. I, I, I take nothing away from him. But he had a it, it as a free safety, you're allowed to do a lot more things when you have help at cornerback. And Deion Grant was playing with Fred White, a hard hitting strong safety, and he was backing up Dwayne Goodrich, who you and I know was, would have been a superstar cornerback in the NFL had the tragedy not happened. And playing behind Dwayne Goodrich gave Deion Grant a lot of leeway to do what he wanted to do. Barry in 2008 was playing behind nobody. I mean, I, I don't know who else was in the yeah. secondary that year. No, he was about the only somebody on defense altogether. Um, but you didn't have Fred White on there. So we had, we had a, cu- a couple of comments from Fred White left it on our new uh, voice message board that people give out the number four. And it, he, he wanted to say this. You suck. Yes, suck ass. <laughs> How could you not have our guy, Fred White? Shut the hell up. <laughs> I love Fred. I Look, I love Fred. I'm a huge fan of Fred. And there are a couple of people I had to leave off. There was Fred White was close. Bill Bates was close. Burt Reshishard in 1950 was close. I hope Fred loves him and Smokey and the Bandit. Burt Reshishard, he was in that? I don't know. That was Burt Reynolds. All right, have a fantastic day. We look forward to having Fred on a football Friday with Fred. So Caleb can tell him uh, he's not one of the top 20. No, I said he didn't have one of the top 10 seasons all time Mm -hmm. for a safety. I didn't say he's not a top 10 safety. You word it how you want to, but you're scared. And we'll have Caleb uh, on with Fred. Friday at 1025, so you don't want to miss that. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. This is a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.